you have a Bible, go ahead and, uh, well, actually just keep it open because we're going to be going to lots of different places, but James chapter 1 verse 12 is kind of going to be our, our big verse of the morning. We've been talking about American Christian, how our culture has affected us and affected our Christianity, and so this morning as we dig into the Word of God, uh, be thinking of that. It's a cultural uh, kind of a cultural thing, and one of the things I've really noticed about our culture is sometimes we love it when things happen the easy way, you know? I heard a lot of people say, man, if I could just win the lottery, you know? I remember listening to my mom, and she'd watch this TV show, I don't know, who had Genie or something in it, and she'd wiggle her nose and her whole house would be clean, right, you know? How many of you ever wish you could have a moment like that? You know, you wiggle your nose and boom, the house is just clean, you know? I mean, it's, it's kind of in us, you know, and I don't even know if this is uniquely American. I'm just picking on us for this, but, but this in us, you know, we kind of like the easy route. And so this morning, I'm going to talk about how to be blessed by God and does it necessarily create the easy route that we're looking for. I remember... Uh, Few, few churches back, back many churches back when I was, uh, uh, I had come to come to Christ in a Baptist type church, and it was not it was non denominational because it was overseas and didn't want to affiliate. But our senior pastor was licensed Baptist minister, and I remember he had an elder in the church he he were used a lot. So I went up to him once after service and I said, I said, man, I I said I'd really love you know to be blessed by God. And he took one look at me and he said, wow, you're selfish. I was like, oh, man. You ever have one of those moments where you're just shamed, you know? Like, oh, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to, you know, I, I said something wrong. Here's the thing. When people first become a Christian, you got to be very careful what you say to them because they don't know what's going on. They don't, you know, they're just coming to church. They just know they love God. They believe in Jesus. And now they're hoping that people are going to help them and this, one of the, this was the guy, like, the guy everybody looked up to. And I, I hey, man, I love to know. I want to be blessed by God. How do you be blessed by God? He looked at me and said, oh, man, that's selfish. I'm like, oh, man, I'm just a dirtbag. I'm just a selfish scumbag. And I, I remember just walking away going, okay, man, that is on the list of things never to ask. <laughs> that is on the list of things never to seek. In fact, I don't even think I said the word blessed for probably 10 years after that. I mean, it was like, you know, I was so shamed by that moment. I remember I went to another church, and, and I'd always, you know, I'd always meet this lady, and I'd say, hey, how you doing? And she'd always reply, I'm blessed. You ever, you ever got people like that? I'm blessed. Hey, how's your day been? Oh, it's been blessed. Hey, how's your life been? Or how's your year been? Oh, it's been blessed. How's your life been? Blessed, blessed, blessed. I mean, that was, that was her word, blessed. And it really challenged me because I'm like, man, this lady, she's throwing out blessings like it's candy in her pocket. I got that old stooge in my past, you know, who I say the word blessed with, and he shamed me. And it really, I, I got to admit, it really didn't break until I was starting to write the message for last week. So, I mean, you know, until last week, when I went to Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 to 33, and it is so obvious, God 
wants to bless his people, and he doesn't mind us asking for blessing. Amen? So this morning, we're going to talk a little bit of how to be blessed. How to be blessed. I, I mean, it sounds almost like maybe Sunday schoolish to a bit, but I mean, it's, it's, I think there's a very simple question out there, and I get this from a lot of people. Tom, how do, how do I live a life of blessing in Christ? How, do I, how, do I, how am I blessed by my Creator, by God Almighty? We're going to talk about that today. Heavenly Father, as we open up our hearts, I pray right now, Lord, that we would seek blessing not just out of selfish motives, Lord, because I know they can be there, obviously, but God, out of a desire to receive what you have for us. And that this morning we would receive the word that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you go all the way back to the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, in chapter 12, God finds a pagan moon worshiper over in western Iran, which is what is Iran today. He's got idols And when the moon rises, he thinks in some way it's a god and that that's his family's god and he worships it like it's God. And he does things to worship that god, whether it's kill animals or whatever. God sees this guy and he's worshiping the moon and he looks at him and he comes and he says, Abraham, I'm calling you. I'm calling you out of this lifestyle, out of this land, and I'm gonna, you're going to go west, young man. You're gonna take, he's, a little, he's got a little bit of money. You're going to take your servants. You're going to take your tents. You're going to take all the coins, all the cash you got on you. You're going to take your wife, take your family, but you are going to move west. And God says this to this pagan moon worshiper. I'm going to be your God I am going to bless you, and you are going to be a blessing to others. It's an amazing story. You know, we often think, man, I've got such a past, God might never use me. Or, oh, I think things that God probably thinks are so, you know, satanic, you know. And I I got all these hang-ups, but we forget Abraham had hang-ups. And God came to Abraham and said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless you, and you are going to be a blessing to the nation. And in the most pivotal moment in human history, the Bible says, Abraham believed God at his word and obeyed and did what he said. My first point is this. We are blessed when we bless others. Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. Abraham would give us Jesus, and that is a huge blessing. So we are blessed when we bless others. We are blessed when our blessings flow to others. The Bible teaches us that we are not just blessed so that we can be happy and comfortable. Even though that might be a side effect, that's not the reason. We are blessed when blessing flows from us by serving a need giving physical support, giving financial support. A lot of times what people need more than both of those is emotional support, giving your time, giving your life, giving your ear, sometimes just giving a hug. 
In the, I love what uh, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 4, the message version says this. It says, forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Forget yourselves. Because we're all, I mean, we're all naturally self-bent, right? We're all naturally self-focused, self I mean, it, it's what we default to, right? And, and Paul says, forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand hand and it's kind of interesting but there's almost nothing that god won't do for the person who really wants to help people i'll say that again there's almost nothing god won't do for the person who wants to help people in luke chapter 18 jesus says this anyone and i mean anyone who gives up anything and i mean anything for the kingdom of god will certainly receive many times more in this life and you'll receive eternal life in the years to come. You know what I love about that verse? First of all, life today is not just about going to heaven. There's actually a blessing God wants to do in this life. This life counts and God cares about it. We get many times more of the blessings in this is Luke 18. You can read it right off of Jesus' lips. But what's he talking about? He's talking about being blessed so that blessing can flow from us and out to other people. Luke 6, 38 says, give away your life and you'll find life given back. But not merely given back, given back with blessing. The more you try to bless other people around you, the more God says, I'm gonna bless you. In fact, if you really read the Bible and you really look at the language, God doesn't just say, I'm going to bless you. God says, I dare you. I dare you. You really want to take me on? Take me on. See if you can outbless others and if I outbless you for it. Let's see who wins that game. All right? Come on, Tom. Come on. You be a blessing to others. You just go, go, go. You bless and whatever I direct you to. You keep doing that, and let's see what happens to your life on the flip side. And if you grow old and you say, man, I gave everything away and God left me in the dirt, fine, I'll take it. But I promise you now, Tom, you live that kind of life. You're going to grow old and say, man, things happen. God provided. I didn't even know where this stuff came from. How my cars lasted so long. How my house was spared from this. You know, you, you just, you're going to be amazed, Tom when you live your life to bless others. So number one, we receive blessing when we become a blessing to others. Number two, we are blessed when we have an attitude of humility. The first kind of thing we wake up with is often a kind of a self, you know, looking at ourselves a lot. And that's, that's natural, that's fine. God gets that. Second thing we can also have is a lot of pride. You know, I'm right, I'm cool, uh, I got it, you know, I'm per, you know, maybe I'm not perfect, but, you know, we, we, we tend to defend ourselves a lot. Whereas God is often looking for that attitude of humility that is otherly, and you find no greater example than in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 3, these are the Beatitudes. And Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit is essentially, I'm submitted to God's leading, you know? Uh, 
And uh, you can take this, you know, kind of, you know, kind of far. I mean, I remember once I was driving with a friend, you know, we, uh, we drove past the only Coney Island in Seattle. And, he, and, and he's like all serious, you know, oh, I think God's leading me to eat, to eat that Coney Island. I think there's going to be someone there I'm supposed to share Christ with. I'm like, okay, that's great. We were there. He gets like six Coney Islands. and Doesn't share Christ with anybody, you know. Doesn't talk to anybody because he's too busy stuffing his face with chili dogs. And I, you know, so I remember, I remember kind of walking out like, you know, did God really lead you to the Coney Island or did your stomach lead you to Coney Island? You know, I mean, what's going on here, buddy? And so I realized, you know, we can throw out that a lot, but the poor in spirit is literally, you know, I feel God leading me to do this. And it's often going to be something that goes against the, the flesh a little bit. It's going against, against our self-preservative nature and stretches us into places that might not feel comfortable. Verse 4. I've said this one a lot lately. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Dealing with loss in a healthy way. Number Verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. What is Jesus saying? Blessed is the person who says, I have no need to dominate you. I don't need to. God is sovereign over all. I don't have any need to dominate you. I don't have a need to have power over you. I don't need to get off on that. I don't need to be the boss man. If I got to be the boss man, it's to serve a greater purpose. But no need to dominate. I can live as one meek under the sovereign lordship of heaven. Number six, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. A lot of people don't always get the gist of what Jesus is saying here. What Jesus is saying when he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, he's thinking of people who think communally, a righteous community. You know, when they hunger and thirst for righteousness among the tribe, among the village, among the family, among the community. Very humbling attitude. Number seven, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Not a judger, not a hater, not someone who feels qualified to be somebody's critic or feels qualified to be somebody's teacher, but someone who essentially can extend mercy when wrong or mercy when they see wrongs. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart. Uh, The pure in heart is that humble choice to restrain selfish motives. We We all can drum up. I mean, if I gave you five minutes, you could drum up a pretty good selfish motive about something, even if it's about brunch in 20 minutes, you know. We can we can go there quick. But when we restrain that selfish motive by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's the pure, that's being pure in heart. It says they will see God. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. In other words, blessed are those who are humble enough to be mocked for their faith, to go out and say it. I always tell people, you know, there's no reason why a Christian should beat anybody over the head with a Bible. There's equally no reason why we shouldn't say, I follow Christ. You seem to get punished for each these days. (laughs) 
But the former, you get punished more than the latter. But there is something powerful. One time I was at a, uh, when I was at the real estate office working there, they had an office Christmas party. And, and we were all joking around, you know, and they were getting pretty soused up. And there I am with my Diet Pepsi and lemon. And one of the guys leaned over and is like, you know, Tom, like, what, what guides you in life? You know, I mean, what, what is it about you? What, you know, where do you find your direction from? And uh, I remember I just kind of paused for a moment. I said, well, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he just kind of went, yeah, that's the right answer. <laughs> I think he was looking for some great philosophical thing, you know. The Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, I almost deflated the guy. I think, you know, yeah, that's the right answer. But there's something about letting it out there. Not be ashamed to say it, you know. I follow Jesus and by golly, I'm proud to. Amen? <laughs> when I was younger, and I guess I even to a point today, I would look at this list of things, and I'd be like, man, I fail on all points. <laughs> I'm not poor in spirit. I'm rich in pride, <laughs> you know. I, I hunger and thirst for a lot of things, but I can't always say righteousness is it. Do I show mercy when I'm wrong? Man, I want to get even, you know. Is my heart pure on all matters? Oh, boy, oh, boy, no. I mean, I, I, you know, this is this wrestle. But as, as I begin to look at these and realize what Jesus is getting at, look at it real quick. I mean, look, look you know, merciful, peacemaker, persecutor. There's kind of a humbleness to all of these wor words. And essentially, Jesus is saying, if you can live with a humble attitude before God, there will be a blessing that comes your way. So I thought to myself, well, what would be the opposite of that? If we live with a prideful attitude before the world, then that's where strife, fights, debts, people you are not speaking to, assaults, jail time, you, you, all of those stem from that root. It's in all of us. Jesus is saving us from that by allowing us to see, to take, and have examples of that humble attitude that brings itself a blessing. But really, the first two points kind of really collide into the third. And that is, my third point is, comes out of James chapter 1. We are blessed when we learn how to endure the tough times in life. When God's blessing us, like he blessed Abraham, it's kind of easy to give out of the excess, right? When Abraham defeats the three kings later on in Genesis, he comes back with a haul, a big haul, and he's like, hey, I'm going to give 10% to the king of Salem, Melchizedek. Or, you know what, when we're, when we're taking a humble posture, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on this. I'm going to work on mourning. I'm going to work on pouring. I'm going to really go down that road. When it gets hard is when the trials come. And here's part of the problem. In this life, they will come. In this life, you'll have trials. You'll have people that don't like you. You'll have people that actively are trying to bring you down. 
You'll have health stuff. You'll think your body is rebelling against you. you. I mean, there is just stuff, trials, losing a job, struggling with no money, struggling with a lot of anger and bitterness, fights at work, fights at home. You try to fix something on the house only to stand there and watch it fall apart right in front of you. Frustrating things. You go to take a bite into your favorite piece of cake and you bite your tongue. That happened to me this week. <laughs> I was so upset because what happens when you bite your tongue? It starts getting all gooey and bloody and then you try to put that cake in there and it's mixing in with all that's happening and the cake don't taste no good anymore. You get upset. That's a Hey, for my life, that's a trial. I mean, you, you mock that. For my life, that's a trial right there. <laughs> Winston Churchill, he once said something like this. He said, the happiest and most joyful man or woman in the world is the man or woman who has learned how to weather the tough seasons of life. They plan for it. They prepare for it, and they persevere through it. They don't sit there questioning it over and over and over. So James chapter, 12, chapter 1, verse 12, begins like this. Blessed is the one who remains steadfast under trial. And the Greek word steadfast there has the idea of soldiers standing in position as they're marching to meet the enemy in battle. And in other words, when others cut and run, this man stands and fights. One of my first guys I met with, I'm coming out of the world, I'm coming out of partying and drinking, and one of the first guys I met with uh, to learn how to, you know, more about the Lord, and he was going to meet with me and disciple me, was an ex-Vietnam vet. What is it with me and Vietnam vets? Ex-Vietnam vet uh, who was a captain in the Marine Corps. And one time, they wanted to move his 300 men, like, four miles to the east. But they wanted him to leave an outpost, outpost there. Well, normally, you would leave a lieutenant in charge of an outpost, and leave him there, and then, you know, and then check in with him. He said, I defied uh, Marine Corps protocol. I left a sergeant there. And the, one of the lieutenants comes up and says, why are you leaving a sergeant there when you got four of us here who can stand a man the post? And he looked at him and he said this, because when the enemy comes, this man stands and fights. That's the one who I want covering my blind side, the one who stands and fights. One of my favorite games as a kid was Red Rover, Red Rover, send Tommy over. I'd lick my teeth, you know, get like that. I'd see, you know, I'd, I always try to pick out the weakest link, which in, which in Red Rover is what? The tall people, right? It's the tall people. Uh, you know, and so I always look for them, you know, where's the tall, skinny ones? You know, they got, they don't have no wrists, you know, and the short, chunky ones, man, they got Popeye wrists, you know, you're never, you're never going to get through that. So I look for them, and all of a sudden, there they are, there they are, whoa, 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 boom, you know, just barrel through. What is James saying? 
He's saying it's being steadfast, locking arms, no matter what comes. There's a stubborn refusal to give in to the enemy, to give in to the trial, or to give in to the discouragement. Blessed is the one who remains steadfast under trial. God delivers us often in one of two ways. He either takes us out of the storm. Let me tell you something about that, by the way. For those of you who are praying that God would take you out of the storm, God usually takes you out of the storm before the storm ever hits. Uh, We rarely, we don't go through it at all. You know, God just removes it before it even, I bet you when you die and you look over at all the different ways God was acting in your life, you will see he prevented some things and you're going to go, wow, thank you. I had no clue that that was coming or that could have happened to me. When you're in the storm, we often are saying, God, remove me from the storm. He would have removed it before it happened if that was his plan. When you're in it, his plan is to go through the storm with you so that you can learn how to stand steadfast in the midst of enduring some of life's trials. I mean, as far as trials are concerned, everyone here, everyone here is in one of three places. You are either coming out of a trial, you are either in a trial, or you are about to be one. You're either coming out of one, you're in it now, or God forgive me, it's coming. Blessed is the one who learns to stand steadfast in the midst of trial. Prepare for it. Plan for it. Think about it. Imagine it. But whatever we do, Don't stand blind to it. Because if you're just coming out of one, unfortunately, another one may be stacked right in front of you. He says here in the last part, for when he has stood the test, when he or she has stood the test, they will receive the crown of life which God has promised for those who love him. How many of you have been enjoying watching the Olympics? They don't do this anymore. They put, and and I I guess if I was an Olympiad, I'd like the way they do it now better than the way they did it, but now they put, what, a a medal right around your neck? Back when the Olympics first started in ancient Greece, back in James and Jesus' day, when they would have saw Olympic Games, they would have saw an athlete not receive a gold medal, but what? A real wreath, right? And that little wreath, was a crown and that was a huge deal because nobody but the emperor wore a crown so why would they put it on these olympic athletes because they trained they work hard they competed against the best and they showed themselves champions in their events and even the emperor was willing to grant them a crown for all of their hard work. That's us and endurance. When you do the hard work of persevering instead of running, when you do the hard work of not quitting and sticking it through, 
when you do the hard work of going the full nine yards in whatever you're facing, there's a crown waiting for you. Same crown that Michael Phelps has got 23 times now. It's the crown of being victorious over the trials. You know, I had told you the story of the lady who always used to say, I'm blessed. When I first met her, I couldn't stand her. I couldn't stand people who were happy all the time. I know, isn't that kind of funny? <laughs> You'd think those would be the people you want to hang around. But when I was, you know, just coming out of the world, partying and all that, I, 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 I don't know why, but happy people just seemed like fake people. You know, how can you be this happy? Sober was my thought, you know. And so, you know, I remember I, I see her every Sunday. She was older. She was always happy. And she'd always say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And so I remember over the course of going to church with her, her, uh, her husband got laid off at 61. Now, that's, and he was like just turned 61. So at that time, he used, you could get it at 62. I think you could, well, most of you can still get it at 62. They sent me a letter. I can't start until 65 because of all of you. No, just kidding. <laughs> so, 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 back to the story. So, blessed is the one that, that's right, blessed is the one that perseveres under trial, right? <laughs> so, so, husband loses her job. Her son disappears. He leaves the house one day. She doesn't hear from him for six months. He just left. He thought he, he wanted to disappear, have nobody know where he was at. He was a little off. I'll give him that. But, I mean, he just disappeared for six months. Uh, and then she ended up having to have a hip replacement. She would walk like this, you know. And she was only in her early 60s. How you doing today? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And you know what? I'm convinced she was telling the truth because I could see the truth of it in her eyes. I know some people, oh, I don't want to invite you into my problems, so any, anytime anybody asks how I'm doing, I'm always going to say I'm good. She wasn't like that. If she was struggling with something, she'd go up for prayer, she'd share it with the church, it was a small church, she'd share it with the church. It wasn't like that. But man, you know, our, that church had a thing after service where people would stay and they'd break out tables and we'd have coffee and stuff together. We kind of have that. And, uh, and I'd stay sometimes and I'd listen to her and she was so joyous to be with people. Uh, so joyous to give, you know. I was the, the youth leader at the time and I, I just mentioned in passing, man, it'd be great. We have such a big parking lot. I'd love to put a basketball hoop there. One day, a box is sitting up at the church office door. She bought the church, the youth group, a basketball hoop. I just, I just said it in passing. But when you meet people like that, they live exactly what I just taught you. They're blessed, and they're a blessing. They keep that attitude of humility before God. And they've learned to persevere under trial. Think about everything I've said today. And your life all that's left of your life will only be to have blessings. 
trial comes, you'll know how to stand through it. Attitudes come, you'll know which direction that needs to go. Blessing comes, you'll know what to do with it. And so this morning, it is not selfish at all. In fact, if you look at Jesus, he's probably the ultimate model of everything I just said. Jesus was blessed. You say, how was Jesus blessed? He was a poor carpenter. He was a poor carpenter that could pray and feed 5,000 people. <laughs> Would you call that blessed? I call that blessed. <laughs> you say, oh, you know, Jesus, poor Jesus, you know, he, he got beat and he got whipped and he got crucified. But he remained humble through the whole thing. If you read Jesus' trial, he didn't defend himself once. He let God defend himself. As far as persevering, Hebrews chapter 8 says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and remained steadfast. Steadfast. Like a soldier that would not break. And who was he fighting for? He's fighting for me. He's fighting for you. He's fighting for all of us so that we could have God pour his heart and his blessings on us in this life and give us eternal life in the next. I've met over the course of my short life many different gods, philosophies, religions, and all that. None of them have that. None of them have a God who suffers like we suffered to give us what we could not get for ourselves. Healing, deliverance, and eternal life.